All right, welcome back. The Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Very special edition today. Every um, edition special. No, no, not but this No, every edition is special. special. Yeah, because every, Josh is here. This is the day that the Lord has made. That's you see, it. every day is that. See, when we invite people to come to the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, we tell them you won't hear things that are like, Christianese. Like, get on the church bus <laughs> or we'll roll over you. All right. So we're Rochelle and Carter through HopeOnDemand.com, a great wealth of resources. Um, just to look, even we discovered the other day, the topics page has hard stuff and, and forgiveness and parenting. Talking about COVID-19. COVID-19 is a That's whole not an easy subject. section there. So, yeah, really tough. But uh, today, a very special guest, Josh Walsh, are the, the executive producer. Uh, one of the producers, the the the. The functional producer of the film. You're, you're doing the hard work. Yeah, uh, exactly. The Jesus Music movie, the That's documentary it. of how Christian contemporary music got started. Mm-hmm. And it comes out October 1st. So if sure. you're actually listening the week that this comes out, then you can go Friday. Uh, if it's a couple weeks after that, it's still in theaters, I'm sure. If it's five years from now that you're listening, I, I don't know. It's on YouTube, wherever it's at. <laughs> Probably. <Yeah. laughs> Hacked online. Right. He no. was talking about the hard work. Um, their four-year-old apparently was running around the house. Singing along to a Petra song from way back when. I've God gave rock job. and roll. I've done my <laughs> job. He is a huge Toby Mac fan. He so, loves oh, Toby fantastic. Mac music. And he goes around singing, God gave rock and roll and pointing to, at people to, to you. Yeah, it's just fantastic. I'm I, sorry to your I listeners love about that. Amazing. That's amazing. I uh, make movies. I don't do the singing part. So. <laughs> but you make great movies. And Thank they're you. the kind that nobody's embarrassed to invite other people to. I appreciate it. Well, that. you've worked on I Can Only Imagine. Yes. And I still believe. I was the producer on I Can Only Imagine. I still believe. October Baby, Mom's Night Out. Um, oh, that's a there's funny a lot one. Of, yeah, oh, you've seen that one. one. Okay, I did. good. That's a funny movie. theater for it. Come on. And a lot of other movies. It's just. Lots and lots, lots of movies. Lots of movies. So why would we invite a movie guy onto a podcast that's talking about our quiet time? And I think both Carter and I were so moved when we watched this documentary. It just it falls in line with what we should be discussing in our yeah. quiet time. Um, so right now, reading through the Gospels myself, I'm in John, and Mark was relatively short. It was written mm-hmm. basically uh, in a style that many of the Gentiles would be able to kind of understand maybe the Jewish culture. It was like the message version. It was, <laughs> it was the message gospel. Yes. Some of the others more detailed, like Matthew is a little bit more uh, just, you know, maybe a little OCD. Yeah. I could say that because I have OCD. It's okay when you have it. Um, so <laughs> I can make those jokes. He goes through the genealogy and everything. Yep. But John is obviously, he was the guy who just, he felt everything so deeply. Mm. He calls himself the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. Mm. And he wrote so beautiful, so poetically. He's the one. That if other people were reading and they're like, so what happened next? And then John would talk and they'd probably need to get out the dictionary. Mm. Hast thou the... Because (laughs) it was such poetry. It's like, now what do you mean? Walk me through this thought. Because he starts in, in first of all, classifying Jesus as the word. Yes. And then it goes from there. But the reason why I think what, what happened when we watched that the other night, Carter, on the screen and what hopefully you'll be able to see as well, you who are listening when you watch this documentary... I saw myself on screen a couple of different ways, which is what I'm seeing myself in in the audience that Jesus has when he's talking to people on mountainsides or by the temple Mm. or when he's throwing tables over at the temple or wherever Mm -hmm. it is. Uh, He talks a lot to people, but he really does address the Pharisees. Mm. So it's like, okay, so I want to address that here I am on the screen as the hippie that's about to be saved because I've recognized that drugs aren't going to do it for me. They're not going to satisfy and fill the need. And I need need to also recognize myself in the role of, unfortunately, what has seemingly become a cyclical pattern for the body of Christ Mm -hmm. in condemning people who are seeking Christ 
and trying to draw others to the light as well. And doing it in a different way. Condemning. Yeah. And we condemn because they do it in a different in, way. Instead of embracing. I remember we had a screening for it. And this was neat. I always I always love screening the film for audiences that aren't really suspecting anything, just kind of coming to watch the film. And there was an older gentleman that kind of came out afterwards and said, hey, I really appreciated the film and stuff. He said, I kind of related to Swagger, who we cover in this, in our documentary, Swagger. Jimmy Swagger, kind of, yeah. Jimmy Swagger, the uh, pastor, kind of one of the voices uh, of resistance to mm-hmm. Christian contemporary music. And there were many. We chose just to kind of focus on one so it didn't get ugly. Um, and we didn't want to make it a smear piece on him or attack him. We really just used his words and to try to represent how uh, there was resistance in the church. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we show it a couple times. There was resistance to the music and the and the form. Uh, and the, the, this gentleman said, I related to him. And I have to be honest, I feel convicted because mm-hmm. uh, he's like, I love Christian music. I'm obviously here and, and, and watch this. But back in the day, I didn't understand them. you know. And so yeah. now seeing it in context, yeah. I get it. I get what mm-hmm. they were doing. I get what they were trying to do. Uh, I just didn't understand it at the time. And so I was judgmental. Uh, so, and I think everyone can relate with that in some capacity. Absolutely. I mean, I've done it and I work with some of these people and I even know them. And I kind of like, sometimes I'll just be like, ah, why did they do that? And then, or, you know, and I'll, 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 I'll lash out a little bit, you know, when I, they do something I don't like, or they say something, you know, and it's like, you know what? You don't know the whole story sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and we can be quick, I think, uh, as the church to, to tear down our own, you know? Well, it's, it's very interesting and we can get into a little bit of the story yeah. of it, of how it started with hippies. Uh, and so there's Absolutely. a trying to not judge moment there at the beginning of the, the documentary. But it's we have not figured out where to draw the line of saying, okay, what you just said is anti-biblical and I need to call you out on it it. compared to somebody just doing something different stylistically. Yeah. I, you know, I think there's a good and bad side of the coin. I remember um, I was meeting with uh, the Bible Museum, which is in in D.C., and they have an amazing place if you haven't been there before. And the founder of it and me were talking, and he was talking about how sometimes Christians would call out stuff that was going on. You know, if they went, you know, if someone in the museum did something and it wasn't right, they, you know, you'd have all this backlash. And he was saying, you know what? I actually appreciate that criticism because that means there's passion. Mm-hmm. People care about the message. And if we're getting off off message, it's good to hear from our, you know, from yeah. the what audience. Mature and the, perspective. I know it is a very mature perspective. Is that perspective. the Hobby Lobby guy? Yeah, is exactly. That who you're Steve talking Green, to? Yeah, yeah, the Hobby yeah. Lobby. And I thought it was such a mature perspective because I was like, here, this guy is, you know, working so hard, spending, you know, unprecedented yeah. amounts of money to kind of get the Bible out there. And, and, you know, someone in their marketing department says something and puts it on a display and, you know, he probably never saw it and, and they get all this hate, you know, mm-hmm. but he was saying, you know what? Good. If, if those people were speaking truth and it was wrong and if I was in the wrong, then it will help keep me on base. Yeah. You know? And I was like, you know what? That's a great perspective. So I agree with you. That I, it is such a hard line because, right, you want to be called, if, you know, we don't want anti-biblical messages getting out there. If people are saying, hey, we're Christians and we're singing Christian music and we're and we're standing up for Christ, you know, if they say something that's not, you know, obviously we want, you know, as a community to help, you know, to, to get involved there. And uh, But where's the balance between that and, oh, I don't like that style or that guy, the way that person looks or the way they approach it. You know, you're, there is well, a fine line. And we do a radio show and, and we'll get calls about maybe how he said something. Yeah. And 90% of the time, I mean, I would say, you know, we're just putting a random number on it, but 90% of the time I can have that kind of Pharisee attitude of yes. anytime somebody calls and says, he tries to correct me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. sure. Exactly. But every once in a while, they're going to be right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
And I think, you know, uh, I apparently t- 10% of the time. 10%, 10%, only 10. Only 10. <laughs> only 10. And that's where yeah. you have to, like, you have to use wisdom and you have to be humble. You know, I'm sure someone is going to come out after this movie comes out and call something out, and I'm probably going to go, yeah, they're right. You know, that's because <laughs> it's hard when you're trying to tell a story or if you're creating a piece of music, you know, or doing something to, to cover all your bases and make sure everything is 100%. So I have a lot more empathy to sometimes these these people that make stuff because you know there's a lot of eyeballs that will look at something and you might have just missed something. You yeah. Know? I, yeah, but I think the important thing is is that okay. So if I do recognize myself as whether it's the Pharisee or the one who's coming to Jesus Christ, yes, it should give us empathy for both. That's mm-hmm. it. So and something we could use today so something much. Something we could use so much. It's, all right, let me step back because when I get all riled up about us uh, being judgmental as the yeah. the church and and having witnessed friends who've actually shared. My Sunday school teacher kicked me out of the classroom because I asked too many questions, and I never <laughs> went back me. to church. <laughs> yeah, they never went back to church because no. of that. And immediately, I get it. That that triggers me to get frustrated against the body of Christ. But wait a second, where is that Sunday school teacher on that day? Yeah, what was she experiencing sure. that would cause her to react in that way? Yeah, and I, it, that is oh, that's why I love our Jesus because He does look at every single one of us as an individual. And it encourages me. Okay, so if I see something that makes me go, hmm, I don't know. This band named Stripers wearing really, I mean, yeah, they were wearing bumblebee-looking clothing, right? Yeah, and I can see everything God made for them. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm pretty sure if Striper came out today and they were a new band, you know. We would all be going. What, what's going what's on? What's happening? Here? Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But you know, it's it's um, hearing their story was just incredible, and I am a huge fan. Oh, of, they stayed so Striper. solid. They're and so sweet and uh, sweet, Michael testimony. Sweet. I know you. You did that pun the other day. It I happens because he's literally the sweetest guy. <laughs> but uh, I I think it's important for us to allow the tree that has been planted to grow. Yes. So that we can test the fruit and then. Study to show ourselves approved, right? Yeah. So if that's literally the goal, it's like because I understand the heart behind. Whoa! Wait a second. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't want my kids exposed to this as if, if this is not of Jesus Christ. Right. I understand the heart of that yep. as a mama bear parent. Yep. I know you guys are parents too. So I, at the same time, wait. The triggered response is not a response; it's a reaction. Yeah. Right. Well, we were talking about the comparison of it's all, always the younger generation, you know, the youngest generation that's always, you know, the, the 20 year olds, 18, 20 year olds. They're always so incredibly stupid, according to older generations. Right. <laughs> yeah. Why do you act that way? Why do you think that's cool? So right now it's Gen Z and TikTok. Now and, all the millennials are judging the yeah. Gen Zers. Exactly. I, I was with someone the other night. and We were talking about like, um, you know, society and culture and stuff. And they're like, we just need to get the millennials to this. I'm like, I, you haven't heard. We've actually grown we, up. We're like in our 30s. <laughs> we've moved kind on. of a disappointment. In some ways, but like we, you know, it's the Gen Zers' fault now. Like we can move on, you know. So <laughs> spotlight off the millennials. Yes, yeah, so which thank God. All right, I'm having my avocado toast in we my basement with my par- my really trophies that my parents kept. Down, I know. So you, it, the documentary starts. <laughs> yes. Well, Wait, can I just say something? Sure. Ezra, his son is yes. one and a half years old, yeah. and he has already started pointing the finger. <sighs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's my pointing. Son does that too. But isn't that crazy, you guys? That's one of the first things that we learn as kids yes. is to point the finger, and it's never at ourselves. Ooh. Ooh, that'll preach. That, yeah, that will preach. <laughs> it's preach. so interesting. You know, th- this documentary starts because the, the focus of the documentary is Christian, really kind of Christian contemporary music. Uh, we named it the Jesus music because in, in in my opinion and from the research I've done, Jesus music is kind of the purest manifestation of this music. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, that's what it really is, right? Christian contemporary music, Jesus music. It's mm-hmm. people singing about Jesus. You know, um, 
and that kind of narrows the focus of the category that we decided to focus on. Um, you because know, otherwise, yeah, that would have been an eighteen-hour oh, long. It's, it could yeah. have been even even so with what we though. did. Um, you know, when I started researching and something I'm really passionate about, um, it actually was a Bill Gaither interview. He had said something. I'm like, that's so interesting. He said, um, when Mar- uh, when Martin Luther uh, wrote a mighty fortress, yes, the church condemned it. Yeah, and they came out against it. And I was like, but you know, why? Yeah. You know, uh, and because. Yeah. You know, at that time it was cutting edge, you know, and he was using tunes that were Mm -hmm. modern and it was kind of done in a modern way. And, you know, the churches weren't singing as many hymns. They were more singing from the Psalms and from the Bible. So at that time it was cutting edge. And then I was talking to a pastor a week ago about it and he said something that I thought was really profound. He said, not everything that is old is good and everything that is new is bad. You know, and Mm. sometimes there's that mentality, I think, in the church, like, oh, if it's old, it's good. And if it's new, it's, you know, if you if you look at the theology of things. You know, no matter where you stand, I'm sure there's a lot of hymns that have bad theology in them. You know, mm. and, you know, and you can sure. hate on some, you know, modern worship songs or something. But you know, there was there was bad theology in the hymns, some of the hymns. But it's comfortable. Yeah, it's comfortable because it's old. It must be trusted. So that yeah. was, yeah. you know, well, that's we get kind of to, to your we point. get desensitized because even you take mainstream music yes. and it's like you you look on TikTok or SoundCloud or just the radio and it's like, well, I just can't believe. You know? yeah. But then you, I think back to middle school dances and yeah, by Usher is like, yeah. no, that song was terrible too. Yeah, exactly. It's just we've gotten desensitized. <laughs> Or what about like the soundtrack that? to Grease? The soundtrack? <laughs> yes! I was, I was. Why do we we watch that in school? Why do they let us watch that? This is so great. This is a great movie. It's a love story, and then I remember listening to the you soundtrack. You go back, right? And you listen, oh you go, go wait, that was okay? Yeah. No, it wasn't okay. No. So true. But it goes to that it, it, that what you were talking about. Um you know, you and what you were saying, you know, that you will judge a tree by its fruit, right? Yeah. And I think that's important. And I think that's why people can look back now on a, a band like Striper and go, hey, they said they were about the gospel and they said they were about reaching these kids. And 25, 30 years later, they still are. And yeah. so if you like their music or not, if you thought they dressed weird, they did. Um, I and, love, and I love but this. that I love was. This. But if you listen to Michael Sweet talk today, I oh. mean, that what he cares about was the gospel. And mm-hmm. I think that's, and you know what? And there are singers that look squeaky clean and fit in every church circle that aren't, you know, yeah. and that's why you have to judge, a, I think, a, a tree by its fruit. Exactly. We have noticed something, and you kind of touched on this, I think, in the documentary with Kirk Franklin. So I'm a big fan of Chris Pratt. Yes. And last time I saw Josh, I was like, oh, you got to get him in one of your movies, too. Oh, yeah. We know he's a believer. However, he started in mainstream. Yes. So people know that Chris says things that are off color. Yes. Could even be considered raunchy. He starred in things where most Christians, if they were like, oh, that that guy's a Christian. And then you hear him talk about his relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no doubt that he is. That is more forgivable to the body of Christ for some reason if he was to come into the Christian scene. As opposed to if I am already in the Christian scene and now I would like to go into a mainstream setting, as you proved with the Michael W. Smith transition or the Amy Grant. McCray. Uh, yeah. Lecrae. Oh, and by the way, like a thousand interviews you did for this, oh and they're, they're all in it, all so you yeah. get to hear a clip from each of them, but it's exactly right. And it's a, it's a little bit of hypocrisy. We can and eat our own sometimes, uh, you know, when we're <sighs> trying to make those transitions, and you know... We're trying to hold them accountable, which I get, but yes. at the same time, is that my job, mm. or is that the Holy Spirit's job? Yeah, that's a good question. And Kirk Franklin said this incredible thing, I'm so glad you included it in there, because I've used it now several times, unless there are nail prints on their hands... And scars on their forehead, you are not to please 
that person, you are meant to please me. So if you are if you are in line with yeah. the will of God for your life and you have confidence, the Holy Spirit has me on this path, then my criticism or my grandpa's criticism or anybody, it doesn't matter because my Jesus said, I placed you here for such a time as this. It was, I wish we, there's so much in the documentary we didn't even get to cover. There's so much we do cover, but so much we didn't, you know, because we had hours and hours of interviews with each person. Hearing Kirk Franklin talk about his relationship with uh, Tony Evans was really special, you know, and because he found a father figure in Tony Evans. He didn't have a dad. Mm. You know, he wasn't raised with a dad and he, you know, his aunt raised him. Um, it, it was really special. And a lot of that came from his time with uh, Tony Evans, That's which I love that. So, that makes that. it so much more special. I've really enjoyed it, especially in the midst of the pandemic. Uh, just we we enjoy his messages online. I love it. it, it so, OCBF. Check it out. <laughs> so much of this whole conversation is, you know, is based on that nuance of where's the line of keeping people accountable and then the line of showing love. You know, the yeah. Bible does talk about go to your brother with love, right? It talks about that. That's such a key thing missing, I think, in a lot of the criticisms. I think a lot of people miss going to the person directly. Even people that have the opportunity to, you know, if you have a problem with your brother or your brother's offending, go to them. You know, yeah, don't uh, use a social media platform. <clears throat> yeah, I don't understand. You know, and but that's a. We live in the era right now where you cancel people and you attack people, and and there is so much of that. Um, so it is a nuanced conversation. I'm probably not qualified to really speak too much to, but I know that in Jesus Music, we wanted to tell. But you their did, st- man. You did speak <laughs> to it through a documentary. Well, we let them speak in some ways. We just let the, you know we we cover their story and we and we wanted them to uh, and really and I think it it, it does make you empathize. With these people, it's easy to kind of tear someone down when you don't know them, you know, and or you yeah. don't know their story and you don't understand it because you wouldn't tear down your friend or your brother or your or someone that, you know, you go, oh, you don't understand. And you tell. But it's a lot easier to tear someone down. That's on kind of a pedestal. Uh, that's so true. You well, don't and, know and I, what spirit you are when you tear down. Yeah. No, Our job true. is to, to. And I've been guilty of it, too, by the way. So I we get all it. are. <laughs> well, and I, I told her and I want to get to the hippies part because I think it's a fascinating uh, element to how it kind of yeah. starts. But. Um, I was telling her, I think there's just, if you listen, you know, if you listen to this podcast, there's a chance you might listen to us on KSBJ and, and you're familiar with all these Christian artists and there's so, I mean, Lauren Daigle's in it, everybody's yeah. in it. And, um, I think looks that like there's, Amy Grant. oh, Lauren Daigle looks like a young Amy Grant. And would, you, that if you would have stayed till the end, you would have been really wigged out. But let's see how we connect all is the Is that dots. right? Yeah. Oh man. No, I had to leave early. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so there is a part, um, there's an element to it where you can just tell they're able to be real. And unfortunately, when they come to Christian radio stations, because of the fear, what we're talking about, I don't think they get, they, you know, some of them are are very open, but I don't think they're ever a hundred percent. And I think the guard was down to be able to see, because, because they never want to make it look like it's about me. So they're not going to complain about, you know, somebody that called them out online or whatever, but to see what they go through as a whole, I think was fascinating. The people who got it started Yes. Were people that literally were doing LSD and all yes. sorts of stuff. And then went to a church in California shoeless and with the beards and with the long hair. Which was not okay. For, it, like up until not that at point, the time. There was, and there still is in some in some cultures. I think more people are being open to wearing jeans and stuff. But there's a definite oh, dress yeah. when you go into it. It's like a dress code. Uh, yeah. People don't really, like I didn't, I'm 
30 years old, so I don't know yeah, anything. Yeah, thanks for rubbing that in, <laughs> Sorry. Josh. Uh, yeah, I'm 32. I'm not the young guy yeah, here. Yeah, I know. Golly. I'm the young one now. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, so I, I didn't live through the 70s. I didn't understand what churches were like prior to that. You know, and I'm sure there was amazing churches that existed prior to that. But uh, from the people I've talked to and in our interviews, the church had gotten pretty formal and a little stale at that time. And I think that was why it was ripe for a movement of God. And I think that is just so interesting. You know, when you look at our country, it's been 50 years really since that time. You know, maybe we are ready now. I hope so mm. for a, another yeah. revival or a um, or a movement like that. But the church was so stale at that time. I don't want people to tune out right now because I want to go ahead and just insert something really quick. Yeah, please. When he says stale, I know what he means. Yes. But I also know that the heart behind, there's a dress code about it. Yeah. If you were going to meet the president of the United States, you would wear your best. That's it. No, it was a different, it was a different time. That's a good, I'm glad you corrected me I, on that. And I, and I don't necessarily feel that way, but I have family who are very strongly yes. opinionated. Oh yeah. And so I want them to, know, listen. In fact, not, I actually, I live in Nashville. I like to dress up to go to church. You look and nice. nobody, nobody dresses up in Nashville. I, I showed up in church with a suit coat on and my pastor but was like, what's going on? You're talking, <laughs> about, you're talking about there's a rhythm. It was there more, is a, it more has than the appearance way. and the things It just, it, it maybe had gotten more formal than it needed to be. And there was not yeah. a lot of, you know, it was starting to die off in some ways that, and, and there wasn't a lot of energy in the church. There wasn't a lot of like, there wasn't a lot of young people that were engaged. Sure. So, you know, and young people, and if you follow the history of this in the fifties and sixties, rock and roll started to become a thing. People started leaving the church and, and, um, it was kind of a rebellion against that in the 70s and the 60s, right? And there was this, this the Beatles saying, you know, we're more popular than, than, Jesus. than Jesus Christ. Yeah. And and you had this this youth rebellion culture. And then the rest of the church is going, we're losing our young people to all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And what's going on? And they were afraid and there was a lot of fear. Sure. But at the same time, there wasn't a lot of, you know, I, I'm sure there, there are people that are smarter that could talk about great churches during that time. But overall, I think there was a consensus that there wasn't a lot happening, mm. you know, except the youth culture was starting to develop post-World War II. And, yeah. and, and it was very much leaving the church and the church yeah. was scared. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, not planned, not coordinated, not using Twitter, not any of this stuff comes this, this Jesus movement that sprung up everywhere. It wasn't just in Southern California where they credit its beginnings. There was stuff in New York and there was stuff in Nashville. Mm-hmm. There was stuff everywhere popping up. And this was before you had email, before you had cell phone, before yeah. you had any social media and this organic movement came. That's how you know, I feel like it was God. It was God. And, yeah. and then you had some of these churches that were like, wait a second, we're against this youth and hippie culture, mm-hmm. but these kids are coming to Jesus, right? Yeah. So that was a really interesting kind of cross section. And a lot of the leaders of the church that even some young people might be like, oh, they're stale, you know, today, which they're not. But um, it came from that movement, you know, like, I mean, a lot of the leaders of even the Southern Baptist church today of of the congregations across of some of the most famous Christians got mm-hmm. saved in the Jesus movement. Guys, you wouldn't think were like hippie kids got saved during that time. And it was it was amazing. I love that this morning, I this story I read. Uh, Jesus heals this blind man who didn't necessarily uh, there's many accounts of the blind being healed. Uh and, and people have assumptions as to whether this one was Bartimaeus or not. I don't know. Different gospel accounts, different different stories. But this guy wasn't even necessarily asking Jesus for help yeah. in, in this particular account in John. He was a beggar, though. Yes. And Jesus sees him and he decides he's going to heal him. And he does the mud thing. He spits. This was a yeah. great story as a kid. You're like, he spat in the yes. dirt and he made a paste and he put it on the man's eyes. And he washes it out of the pool. And guess when he did it? Guess what day of the week Jesus healed the guy? 
Was it on the Sabbath? It was the Sabbath. <laughs> and like, there's so many different stories that you've already gone through. And that just, mm, I don't know if he purposed to do it on the Sabbath, but like maybe he just hit, you know, he, he like two birds with one stone with this because he knew it would get sure the Pharisees. Could. Yeah. Well, that's the conversation we're having, right? There were good yeah. churches during that time, but religious, there were religious the, versus faith. The religious mm-hmm. hangups, mm-hmm. the law yeah. that was meant to usher people towards the light that's right. was tripping them up. That's it. And so the the amazing account that was when he gets healed, well, he got healed. He washed out the, the mud, right? But he never got to see Jesus. Yeah. And so they have various issues. They're like, who did this? He's like, well, the guy's name is Jesus. And yeah. they're like calling him everything in the book except the son of God. Right. Mm. Obviously. And I love that this guy who was blind is he says, what did he do to you? The Pharisee said, how did he heal your eyes? The man answered, I already told you once. Uh, and you refused to listen. So why do you want me to tell you again? Do you? Do you want to become his disciples? The leaders insulted him. You are his followers. We are followers of Moses. We are sure that God spoke Mm -hmm. to Moses, but we don't even know where Jesus comes from. How strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? Mm -hmm. We know that God listens only to people who love and obey him. God doesn't listen to sinners. And this is the first time in history anybody's ever given sight to someone born blind. Jesus could not do anything unless he came from God. Then the leaders told him, you've been a sinner since the day you were born. Do you think you could teach us anything? (laughs) Which is ironic because they literally just asked him all these things. Yeah, right. You just asked me my opinion. Here's my opinion. Mm. And then the Lord uses this example because he finds out what happened. And he came and found Mm. out the guy. And he says, "Um, uh, you know what? You you're looking at me. You didn't see me before. Here I am standing in front of you. I'm talking with you. He said, Lord, I put my faith in you. And Jesus said, I came to judge the people of this world. I am here to give sight to the blind mm. and to make blind everyone who can see. Mm. And that's just, I mean, those are such powerful words. Of course, the Pharisees heard that. And then there was a whole conversation after that. <laughs> but it's like, oh, Lord, help me unpack some of those words. Because, I mean, some of them that got thrown around were even a little bit confusing to me. And the blind man said, well, we know that the Lord doesn't listen to sinners. Uh, he only listens to to those who are truly seeking after him. And I think that's the key part. It's mm. like, okay, so you, yes, if you're listening right now, you're like, well, I'm a sinner. That means that he won't listen to me. No, mm. I don't think that's what it means. I think it means that those who are seeking truth, that's he it. sees you. He's looking for you. And those who are refusing because they're comfortable mm-hmm. and they want to stay comfortable and they want to refuse something that might be a little bit testing of their faith. Mm. Those are the ones who want to remain blind for whatever reason. Lord, save us all from that. I don't Mm -hmm. want to remain blind. And I'm grateful for the bridges in life like the Billy Graham Mm -hmm. who came along, those hippies that Carter was mesmerized by that part of the documentary. Mm. But seeing Billy Graham as this figure who had already been prominently placed and postured in this position as somebody we trusted in the church community. And now he's advocating for these crazy looking hippies. Was yeah. just like, oh God, I want to be that guy. Can I be yeah. like Billy? And, and Billy would, if he was here today, he said, "Sweetheart, you're looking too low. You want to be like Jesus." Mm. Yeah. It, it, two the two perspectives on that is, you know, how can I help if I have? We all have influence in some way. Yeah. But then what struck me with when we were talking about Gen Z earlier, and the hippies in this movie that yeah. started what we listen to in contemporary Christian music today, we give up 
on certain parts of culture, certain people who follow this way of life or just the younger generation in general. Yes. And look what God did through a bunch of, you know, former drug addict hippies to to make what we enjoy today. And he can change any individual or any group of people. And like you said, hopefully we're due for one. I think we are. A lot of like those revival guys. I think, Tommy, if you when you see the end of the movie, you'll see. Um, Tommy, we had to step out they early, had to step okay, out. I'm Josh. giving him a hard time, sorry. But at the end of the movie, <laughs> Tommy Coombs says that, and he's from Love Song. He says, I think it's, I think we're ripe for another revival like it was in the 60s and 70s because mm. the times are similar, very divisive times, very um, confusing times. You know, um, the world was uncertain about things. And in some ways, you know, you go through these cycles, you know, of, of faith. And I think the younger generation at that time had really got kind of the end of, I would say, the religious side mm-hmm. of the church uh, and kind of got disillusioned with it. And then they turned to what they thought would be the answers, drugs, sex, rock and roll, all these things that all, that that promise everything but then end up with nothing. And when they got to the end of that, all of a sudden there was Jesus and they went, oh, well, that's I want that, you know, yeah. this is which was true faith, you know, and faith in Christ and not religion. You know, and I think they chose they 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 experienced that and it was real. And all of a sudden they went, oh, wait, guys, this is better than drugs and rock. This is actually what we were searching yes. for yeah. all yeah. along. And they actually have the answer. Uh, and I think, you know, in the doc, we 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 showcase that people like Billy Graham and Chuck Smith and Kevin mm-hmm. Shepard went, hey, there's something God's doing something. I don't quite understand it. You know, I don't really. Uh, Chuck Smith, who was found, you know, credited as one of the main guys in the Jesus movement. He wasn't a big fan of hippies either at the time. He thought they were kind of weird losers that need to go get a job, you know, just like every generation kind of looking down at the other. But he realized Mm -hmm. God's doing something with them. And and when he would talk to these kids, they were searching. They were burnt out on all the things of the world that uh, promised fulfillment, especially during that time. And and, uh, they found Christ. And they and to this day, most of the leaders in the church were saved during that time. And I hope I do pray that that is something that is coming because I feel like it's like it's something's got to give right in the yeah. last like oh, yeah. uh, 2020 and well, I think I, I think we I think we're ready it inspires me because I'm sure it was a culture that said no we figured out yes the, this way and, yes. and you conservative older people are stupid and we know yeah. what we're doing that's right and and often you don't see the behind the scenes suffering because pride will take over yes. for them and, and they realize they haven't figured out the right, yes. right way so atheists or agnostics or people speaking against the faith today, I mm-hmm. often, you know, a pharisaical way, yeah. you know, go, God, you're such an, you know, yeah. how can you not, there's so much evidence and, and, and you don't think about the hurt. You just think about mm-hmm. their staunchness yes. and that they'll never change. And some of them, they won't. Yeah. Um, but you don't think about the internal insecurity. That's right. And frustration and and lack of peace going on with them. So it it was recently that I had this image of like when you make a perfect cup of coffee, (laughs) you have to filter it. We're talking about quiet times. This is perfect. Yeah, that's part of my quiet time. You have to have the perfect cup of coffee with the right creamer. No pumpkin spice, please. <laughs> oh, you're gonna you're gonna put yourself on one side I, of the I'm fence, a huh? Sweet cream. We were just talking about these wow. Pharisees. Condemning everybody. <laughs> I think this is a <laughs> you PSL people are condemned. They are the worst. Score I'll stand with one, her. Rochelle zero. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll even one up you. I, I have to do oat milk now because apparently I'm allergic to oat milk. I know. It's you're just, such a hold on, hold on. I know. He I said you because you're allergic to something. It is. See, but I live in Nashville now, and everybody just thinks I'm a hipster. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. With his avocado toast and your your brim hat coming into church. I know. I should get one. Wait, coffee, coffee. Yes, sorry, derail. His wife is in the room. She's the only one amongst us that is like. Guys, stay on point. <laughs> so I, October 1st I, I in theaters. Yeah. Okay, guys. So, yeah. Anyway, so the perfect cup of coffee has to be filtered. Otherwise, if you don't filter out the grounds, what do you get in the bottom of your cup? You Grainy the, and gross. That's right. Chewy. It's, yeah. It resembles something that you wanted, but it's not the real thing. Mm. So what are the filters that Jesus gave us for the perfect beverage, not only for us to drink, but to pour out? Mm. The filters are to love God and to love people. Mm-hmm. And if I am doing every act of my life, and of course we're going to get off track because we're human beings, yes. and that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need yeah. him in the first place. But if I do everything, including witnessing people who are telling me I am a Christian singer, or yeah. I have wrote this book, or I am working and doing my job and and trying to to support my family in a certain way, or whatever it is that we're witnessing, if I am witnessing it and I am choosing to pour whatever the witness is through those two things— then I, I feel like it is going to come out of a place of love every time. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to love God, take pride out of it. I'm choosing to love people, take me out of it. You sure. Know, it's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And we got to get back to what Jesus gave us in the very beginning, which were the two greatest commandments ever, which he added to like the, the, the first five books of the, the Bible, the, the Torah, the Pentateuch, man, now I, I told you we were going to be easy. I'm getting into big Greek and <laughs> Bible nerd. Work. The Jewish people would have known the words that he shared. Mm. They were very familiar. But when he added to them to love your neighbor, that the second one is like it to love everybody else. So he added to what they already knew it was established as, yeah, this is number one. Yep. But now I'm bringing alongside it. It's like it. It's not even like, and this is number two and it is below. It's like it. Mm-hmm. And when you are connecting to those two things, then the beverage you pour out. I mean, that's the water that Jesus talks about gives life and you will never thirst again. Yeah. Um, This is really good. I want to ask you one one more serious question. Then we have a a funny for king and country story for you. Oh, good. And I didn't even think about this. We talked about telling you earlier. I think I may have the clip. So we'll just play if I can find it. We'll play the clip. Um, (laughs) I want to in as quick as we can. But it is a serious question. You know, we were with Christian media. Yes. Well, I'm Christian, uh, not the movies necessarily, yeah. uh, but the but the documentaries, podcasts, things like that. Yes. Where do you as a, you know, a filmmaker find the line of storytelling compared to gossip? Mm. Because we were discussing that's the podcast question. that's popular right yes. now, The Rise and Fall yes. of Mars Hill. Mark yes. Driscoll's this big pastor that and it's just they they tell that this you're not involved with that. But yeah, they tell the story and um Often with documentaries or even news, just the 10 o'clock news. Salacious. I sit here and go, why do we need to know this? You know, it's called news, but why do we need to know it? And with even Mars Hill, I go, I think it's good in many ways to have examples so that we don't make the same mistakes. And even in in Mm. the Jesus music, you know, you have, there's some hard things about certain artists or pastors. Where have you found, found that balance? And I don't know if we struck it perfectly um, and I certainly won't, you know, say somebody else hasn't. But you know, for us, it was really important a couple things. And I and I we would check ourselves along the way. Is it unifying? 
mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day. Because why do it? If we're Christians trying to tell stories, you know, does it point to Christ, right? Does, is it unifying and does it point to Christ? So are we tearing people down because it's interesting and people will buy tickets? Or are we making something so salacious that, you know, oh, they want to watch, you know, like they're really more, what, where, check, like, where's our heart in that? Checking our, yeah. trying to check our heart the entire time of why we're doing this. Yeah. And for me at least, and for Jesus music, I believe the the main thing that kind of was a guiding theme for us was actually what Toby Mac said. God uses broken people to reach broken people. And I remember uh, Stephen Kendrick, who's a filmmaker who did movies like Courageous and Fireproof, and he watched one of our early teasers and he said, <clears throat> he says, as long as the takeaway is that God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. Mm. He said people, you know, not just showcasing all the faults of these artists, therefore, to cause people to maybe stumble. That Should we that write that down? Them. The crooked sticks to draw I know, straight I loved lines. it. Yeah, I loved it. I, did, I plagiarized it right from Stephen Kendrick. Hashtag Kendrick. <laughs> but that's the idea. For us, at least, we were kind of saying, okay, the power of the gospel is to take someone who's an alcoholic like Russ Taff and transform him into a very loving, godly guy. And only the gospel can do that. Mm-hmm. So we'll showcase Russ Taff's alcoholism and we'll have them talk about it, which is maybe you could say, oh, that seems a little slash or something, but only therefore to showcase the power of Christ taking someone from being an alcoholic to someone who is sober and loves God, you know, and 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 therefore to bring like to strengthen the testimony, you know, mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. And so even in the brokenness, I think I think God we were talking about this the other night. God came for the sick, he didn't come for the healthy. Mm-hmm. I was talking to some people that watched it that were like, yeah, I love that you you show these people aren't perfect. You know, yet God's still using them. I mean, David was arguably one of the first, you know, known artists in the Bible. Flawed guy, right? If you go into his story, it's like killed a dude, right. took her wife, and then God said that he, that man had a heart after God. And you know, it's like how, yeah, you know. So, but God came for the sick, not the healthy, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the, that's the point of the doc for us, at least. That's how we drew the line. That's great. Everyone's got to justify that. At, you know, ultimately, like. Kirk Franklin, I have to be accountable not to necessarily even the audience, but to God. Yeah. And I, and and on my conscience, the way we presented it, I believe we did it in a God honoring way, yeah. and not best. in a way yeah. that is basically you know drumming up gossip or selling tickets. We, I really wanted people to watch this film and walk away and go, you know, the power of the gospel is real. Not these people. Like I don't want to put my faith in Michael W. Smith or Amy Grant, or any of these stars, or Michael English, or yeah, anybody, yeah. if you put your faith in them, you're probably going to get let down. That is, when even when I listen to the podcast of The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, I go, a lot of people in this story are putting a lot of faith in Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, you know? that's And true. I've been a part of movements that had good intent that fell apart. Uh, and, and I told this to people all the time. I just interviewed 100 artists in Christian music. I don't believe Christian music is the answer. And I know that's terrible to say on a, at a Christian radio station, but <laughs> I don't believe Christian music is the answer. I don't believe Christian movies are the answer. I don't believe pastors are the answer. I believe the gospel it, is Josh. the answer. Say it. So yeah. ultimately, if that's being showcased, Amen. then that can yeah, that will take care of itself. Yeah. You know, yeah. um so I, I mean, I think Judas Iscariot had good intentions I when think he joined too. the band. Yeah. You know what Join I mean? Yeah. And yeah. then well, look what happens. So, yeah, yeah, you can have great intentions, but isn't it, there's a saying, the road to hell is paved with good, good intentions. intentions. You got to be careful about that. Yeah, no yes. joke. You're going to share the thing with it. That All was right. beautiful. So, okay. Josh. No, there really was. This has been fantastic. I love it. Again, the just G- funny King Country story. The Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the Jesus Music, again, in theaters. It's October 1st. If you listen to this later, I'm sure it'll be in theaters for a while. Yeah. Um, and, and apparently uh, the end is really great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh. <laughs> Quit bringing it up. You brought that on us. I you guys have the link now. You can see so it. So I have some of these saved. We've interviewed Joel a couple of times. And <laughs> and basically just the, the funniness, especially that Josh will enjoy. But if you've ever heard Joel at a concert of For King and Country, it's two brothers, Joel yes. and Luke Smallbow, and their sister, if you remember, it's Rebecca St. Like James. St. James, come on. And, and so Joel is the most epic person you'll ever meet in your life. He really is. He sat in the biggest chair I've ever, ever seen. seen. It was like hilarious. a king. His dad manages the band, He's David amazing. Smallbone. So sweet. And he's like a mentor of mine. I go to breakfast a lot of it. And he was he was kind of mad at me for putting Joel in that chair. He is was that like, right? He was like, Josh, I don't. This chair makes him look like he has a big ego. And I said, No, it just it was Joel. It fits Joel. And I picked that chair. I it we, fits they actually Joel. joked That's and they said funny. that me and Brandon, that my counterpart who produced it with me, were the chairman because we shot a hundred <laughs> interviews and we would always be like, What's the chair? Yeah, the chair has to fit the person. Yes. Like so, every interview, the chair is very important. Now I gotta and go so back and found, watch just the chair. Just the chair, the chair for Joel is really like a throne. You know, because yes. he's the king. Yes. You know, if, king and country. Doesn't he say Seriously. he's the king and his brother Luke is the country? Like, well, I mean, I've never like heard. on the side, but not in interviews. Okay. Like, I, 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 I felt like I've heard him well, say that. But he I'm has get to say that because he's now. the oldest, but he's shorter, and he's always had a thing about that. Is that right? Is that he's that's like, right? Luke, yeah. He's so, taller. I mean, he's okay. If you and if you're not as familiar, if you listen to this podcast and you don't listen to contemporary Christian music, um, uh, well, thank you for still listening. Um, but but for King and Country, they're from Australia. They have these incredible accents. Uh, I mean, Rochelle's husband even just ran oh. into him backstage and said, "Well, he's like, I came face to face with the most beautiful man beautiful I've ever man. seen in yeah. my life." And so he's epic. Yeah. So we, we he calls us for an interview, and and this is let's see if I have it. This if I so have great. it ready, I think it's this one. How he answers the phone, and if not, I'll just tell it. But how he answers the phone is the most hysterical thing I've ever heard in my life. Done. Okay. KSBJ, hello. We have done it, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to cut. We have done it, my friend. Can I tell it. one story? Of, if we have time for me to tell one yes, more King absolutely, Country story. Absolutely. So we, went out to, we were going out to coffee to discuss a project with him, or breakfast, and I, and we're, we were sitting around ordering. So I said, hey, I'll take a, a, a coffee with some half and half. And he, the, the waiter came up and he said, can I have a tranche <laughs> of cream? <laughs> a tranche. And I went, and I, I just remember sitting there going, and I said it, I even called it, I said, what is a trunch? What is a trunch? Like, how does you, how do you measure oh a trunch? He went, can I have a trunch of cream, darling? And, and, and I, I remember I was like, I don't even know what, the, I don't know what, is that Wait, two Was this a server, cups? was this server a girl? She was. I could just see her say, honey, whatever you want. Whatever you want. She, she didn't see the bad line. I went. Joel, what's a tranche? Like, how do you, how do you explain? I mean, he, and I'm sure he justified it. What did he say? He was like confused why I asked the question. <laughs> like, how dare you question the king? <laughs> no, no, Joel's oh, fantastic, and their whole family. He's so sweet. He's, he's so literally sweet. the best yeah. family. I love them, and but their accent is mesmerizing. We have to answer the phone that way from now on. Yeah, we've, we've done it, my friends. friends. It's a little bit more. We've done it, my friend. Yeah. You know, like yeah. It's so, it's like he's about to quote scripture and we write it down or embroider it on a pillow. I told somewhere. Rochelle if I his if his face this. was painted blue, I would follow him into a medieval battle on an Irish hill, and he'd probably win. <laughs> he yes, that's why I follow him. The small bones they would win. After we just shared about now putting artists on pedestals. <laughs> We both tear down and put them on pedestals, I'm pretty sure. So we are the oh. living embodiment of this. Listen, Josh Walsh with, with the, the so Jesus great. music. So, so incredible. Josh. Thank you again. In theaters, October 1st. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, buddy. Cut to music. <laughs>